The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Join UK podcast. My name is Gavin Murphy. Uh, I was going to do like a funny Mission Impossible, like your mission, should you choose to accept it. Thing, I'll tell but, you to fuck but I can't be. I can't be asked for that. If you want that, there's I'm sure there's other podcasts that will I do would it. I love that. Uh, you've been doing it all day, I love mate. cheese. But this is a Mission Impossible Fallout special um, coming up on this week's show. We've got an awesome interview with Simon Pegg. Got to speak to him for 15 minutes. He is a lovely man. Um, I think like I was kind of a little bit apprehensive about speaking to him at the beginning because that he's not on social media like I haven't seen him doing that many interviews and I hoped that he would be the geek man that he was because I kind of just wanted to talk to him about nerdy stuff and he really did want to talk about nerdy stuff so it was awesome such a good interview um it's one of those interviews you come out of and you're like yeah I think he enjoyed it as well just getting to talk about that sort of stuff because I imagine he doesn't get to talk about that much with Tom Cruise so he might do who knows Tom Cruise might be a massive Tom Cruise might be into Lego he's being settled as a Catan (laughs) is he (laughs) he won't let don't try and beat him though because it will end badly for you so we've got nobody can beat Tom Cruise (laughs) that is is true do you reckon Tom Cruise is that guy that everyone just lets win nah I I think I'd be scared to beat him at something I wouldn't I'd love it but uh, maybe it's because you actually can't beat him maybe he's really good yeah Um, it surprised me so yeah I spoke to Simon Pegg Krooper you spoke to Chris McQuarrie Christopher McQuarrie yeah Yeah. Um, writer director very nice man sharp dresser Mm. he was lovely Um, also wrote Usual Suspects as well yes um and then we're gonna have a little spoiler chat about the film, what we liked and what we didn't like about it. Yeah, should we just say until the yeah. interviews are done, there are gonna be no fallout spoilers. No fallout spoilers. Mm. But there will be spoilers for the other Mission Impossible movies. But if you've not seen them, I really don't know what you're getting from this podcast. Yeah. Mm. Um so first off, guys, we were gonna talk about <laughs> just some of our favourite bits from Mission Impossible. Um you guys have picked your favourite scenes from the entire series. Yeah. Mm. Um who wants to go first? Who wants to go first? You, you can go first, then. Okay, that's it. I'll go first. Um, I think my favourite scene, it was actually no contest. Yeah. Even though there's been lots of memorable scenes over the years, him scaling the Burj Khalifa is obviously that's very good. The amazing. C- CIA room is probably the most iconic still. But my favourite one is... When they go rogue. I do like when they go... It's when they steal the knock list. It's not a Mission Impossible film unless someone goes rogue or yeah. they steal the knock list. When we so many see, knock lists. When we went to see the first one, this, sorry, when yeah. we went to see this, we were like, before it, just going, 
How long do you reckon it is before they go rogue? Yeah. I, give it, I give it 40 someone minutes. Someone rips someone's face off. Yeah. I like the long? fifth one. Just call it Rogue Nation. Yeah. <laughs> Get it on. Everyone's rogue. In a world where everyone's rogue, are you non-rogue? Anyway, we digress heavily. Yeah. Uh, my favourite scene, the one that immediately came to mind, I actually spoke about this before we went to see the new one the other day, right. is in Mission Impossible 2, which is obviously like the black sheep of films it's now. It's a bad rap, man. It's because there is a lot of mad stuff, but also it's made in like 99, 2000. So yeah. it's like a very 2000 yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a perfectly fine film. I, quite, I enjoy it. Yeah. I don't think, it's a record, I don't think any of the Mission Impossible films are bad. I enjoy it all. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, um, it's a scene, it's called the injection scene. Okay. And it's the scene where, um, it's kind of like a standoff in this like high story building. Yeah. Do Grey Scott, Ethan Hunt on opposite, I can't remember what his name, I think he's called Sean or something. Yeah. You're on opposite ends of the room and Tandy Newsom's in the middle. Yeah. It's all like, the whole plot revolves around the, like the rabbit's foot. That's quite funny, actually. Mission Impossible Three. They actually the call it call it a rabbit's foot. Yeah, yeah. like a, that's the name from MacGuffin. Um, is like this virus called Chimera, and okay. it's in one of those like pneumatic mm. injection gun things. Yeah, it's in the middle of the room, and the bad guys like telling these characters like, "Bring it over to me." Ethan Hunt's like, "How do you know he won't kill you?" And it's this mu- the music starts building. This Hans Zimmer score. She picks it up. And she injects herself. Jesus. What a mad woman. What a mad thing. And then this is this great moment where Ethan Hunt is just like, oh, he's like, oh, fuck, what do I do now? And then he throws this explosive. You've no idea what he's blowing up. It's just, and then all these... He doesn't even know. And then for some reason, all these SWAT guys start pouring into the room. (laughs) So there's just dozens of men for him to shoot at. Yeah. He runs over to her, pointlessly does a twirl while he grabs her. That's the weird thing about this scene. There's lots of unnecessary stylization of it. Yeah. So when he grabs her, instead of just like push her into the corner, he does like a full 360 spin when he grabs her. He loves and then he well. pushes her against the wall. Yeah. And he just like he just like screams into her face, like, <laughs> I will save you. He's like, what do you say? I really sound he, he slams her into the wall and he goes, she goes, You can't get us both out of this one, can you? He smashes into the wall while Spanish classical guitar begins to play. <laughs> And he goes, and doves flying. And he screams in her face, we've got 19 hours, 58 minutes. I'll get Bellerophon into your system. <laughs> so it's, it's like the equivalent. He's like sucking her arm, like, I'll get it out. But it's the equivalent of like, and then he throws an explosive yeah. into the like far wall, shoots it, blows a hole in the wall. Yeah. And he says, just stay alive. And he runs out like he's nipping to the shops to get Lemsip. And that he just jumps out. And this is the bit I really love. This is the thing I really remember. When he jumps out of the hole in the wall in this massive building, he puts his legs really far up above his head. So he's like weird pose. Yeah. And then again, for no reason beyond it just looking cool, yeah. he does a somersault in midair before he does his parachute. Literally no reason for it. Looks good though, don't but it? While he's, and also I was thinking, the bit where he's running in slow motion, there's so many sparks flying behind him. Yeah. Again, there's no reason for there to be all these sources of sparks. And his hair looks like he's underwater. Like the way it moves yes, looks like hair in that yeah, it almost looks like he's weightless yeah. as he's running, and like that it. is yeah. that's your favorite scene in the whole of it's the brilliant. At any you point, is Limp Bizkit stay playing? alive? Yeah, it's Limp Bizkit playing during any. And <laughs> why? Well, also, why it's banger is Hans Zimmer's music is like ramping up. Yeah. This is the same year as Gladiator. A year after it was Gladiator, mm. it's got the same female vocalist that did the main <laughs> like theme 
singing in the background. Yeah. And I tried to find the lyrics. I couldn't find the lyrics for it. Yeah. But I love the lyrics for the Gladiator song. They're not actually even real words. Yeah, they're just mad. It's just stuff, like, yeah. Ma, 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 yeah. Yeah. I like that on a soundtrack that Hans Zimmer has done, you've also got Fred Durst yeah. from Limp Bizkit. And Lisa Gerard, <laughs> who sang Requiem in Gladiator. Um, you don't Banger. get that enough anymore. Singles being released off films. No, you don't, do you? There was oh. two of this. You had Metallica, I Disappear. You had uh, Limp Bizkit. What's it actually uh, take called? A look around. Take a Look Chet Around. Kroger on Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2. Yep. But also on this one, there's a third one as well. There was a oh, Foo Fighters. Uh, was there? Yeah, there's a Foo Fighters song that was made for this soundtrack yeah. but never released as a single. You do. Don't get that as much. Yeah. What's this another line? Um, he, he calls Tony Newton a bitch and she says, you're not going to shoot this bitch because she's worth $37 million. Oh... Can't really put a price a, on love, can you? really call her a beer? Yeah, and early on, he compares her to a monkey. What? Is that okay? Yeah. She's like, oh, women. <laughs> yeah, wi- I don't think it is. He's like, wi- <laughs> no. no. Um, he's like, women. He says, women, you're all the same. You're like monkeys. You don't let go of what? one branch until you get hold of the next. What? And also, <laughs> Who wrote that? Also, that also, also, in the context of the scene, I don't quite get it. Like, yeah. Also, in the context of anything, like, why is he saying that that's a bad thing? Like, yeah. that's actually really smart. Because if you just let go, you just free fall it. Yeah. I mean, we know he loves doing that, so that's fine. Yeah. But... Oh, that's the bad guy said that. Yeah. Oh, okay, right, film. Yeah. Tom Cruise not saying that. Mm. <laughs> he hasn't got any hands on anything that's, at um, the time. That's um, Do Grey Scott after he's not Wolverine. Do Grey Scott, man. <laughs> he pops up every now oh, and then, poor it? dude. Yeah. Was this... What he didn't do... Same year, isn't it? Yeah. Because like, X-Men was 2000. He was meant to be in the X-Men, and then he didn't do that yeah. to do... Was it this that he, he was going to be the bad guy? I think it's something what, else. Did he choose, or was he just not cast? No, I think he chose, because he was going to do something else. Oh. I can't remember what it was. I don't think it's Mission Impossible. That. To be fair, else. if you said sequel at the time, Mission Impossible is a huge film. Yeah. If you said you could be the villain in the second Mission Impossible, and you'd go... No. Yeah, go on. Recurring role or a disposable villain. But at the time, was X Men going to be as big as people thought? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Got to play your chances, mate. Yeah, oh, I think Gre- I would have gone for the villain. What's Duke Grey Scott up to now? What's his day to day? I can't remember the last thing. And that, Simon, why you're not in Great Showman? <laughs> no, no, it's true. Could have been. I'd love to see a remake of the Greatest Showman <laughs> with you. Yeah. I well, in every role. I wanted to know. I was thinking <laughs> to myself what, what Fred Durst's day to day was, so I looked up what he's up to, and the last. Like new picture I could see of him was 2015 when he was at the Magic Mike XL premiere with his makeup artist you, wife. You also found out as of 2016 he's now a vegan. He's now a vegan. Is yeah. he? Yeah, he's also banned from the Ukraine. <laughs> Unrelated. Uh, they hate vegans. <laughs> My nan would actually have hated vegans. There we go. I like that scene. Um, good scene. Cardi, what have you got for us? I've taken a scene from what I believe is the best Mission Impossible film, which is number three, yeah. directed by J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. Um, my favourite scene happens in the middle of the film. Yeah, and It's just as things are going well for the team. They've just captured Owen Davian, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah. who I think, until he died, was my favourite actor. Absolutely and then you, went, you turned him. against him. Well, do you know what? He was... <laughs> he was, he was <laughs> Picture this. He was always my choice to play me in a film. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's brilliant. And I think he'd I'd have love the, to I see you, <laughs> I'd love to see your true I, I dare to say he'd have the range to capture me. What? <laughs> Simon at home, if Simon could, at work. He could do Capote, he could probably do me. <laughs> if he could do Capote, you could do Cardi. Yeah. That's anyway, I mean. uh, <laughs> Do you know how Tom Cruise... Sorry to interject. Do you know, do you know why Tom Cruise got J.J. Abrams uh, to do... 
Mission Impossible 3? Do you know David Finch was initially attached? Was he? Yeah. And he backed out because of scheduling, I think. Yeah. Um, Tom Cruise was awake at two o'clock in the morning and saw a rerun of an Alias episode, and from that second was just obsessed with the idea that J.J. Abrams was going to do a uh, thing. I never watched Alias. You were into it, weren't I you? Didn't yeah, watch it. yeah. They're I was, good. I watched it all at university in like the space of a month because I had nothing else to do at university. They're good. It's, it's like it's good box set show of its time. It did that classic thing because it's all like shot in LA, mm. but yet it's trying to be this globe-trotting adventure film. It's actually yeah. quite like Mission Impossible, the original TV show in lots of ways, yeah. where they have to make LA stand in <clears throat> for every country on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. So there'd be a bit like, we're going to Morocco today. Quite obviously, you just put a rug on the wall. Yeah. Like in a, in an LA mall. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. David Finch was initially attached, and he, Kenneth that. Branagh was meant to be the villain, and yeah. Scarlett Johansson was also meant to be in it. That would have been a very different film. Yeah. Um, but anyway, my favourite scene is when they've just captured Owen Davy in the villa. He's like a mass, he's like a black dealer, um, yeah. black market dealer. Ooh. And very different. Um, very different. And um, basically. He's a really scary dude. If you haven't seen the film, he's terrified. He's like that, a joker, isn't he? He's, he's horrible. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's, he's mystery, very, really. very smart, and yeah, he just he, he can get to you just with looking at you. I think. Yeah. Which is why I think he'd also capture me quite well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's basically what? they've just captured him. They've crazy scene, like almost like a heist to extract yeah. him from the Vatican, which is a mad <laughs> thing, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a great scene. Which they actually filmed Vatican City, right? They filmed yeah, in the Vatican, yeah. yeah. I don't know if they filmed all of it in the, the Vatican, so there's some crazy yeah. stuff going there was on. A, there's a stage in that plan where they just have to like make a street really busy, isn't there? Yeah. And they're right, they I think they like drug him in the toilets, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and right. then um yeah, have to rush and make one of those face changing masks which he puts on. They're mad, aren't they? Yeah. I love the face changing. Um But yeah, anyway, after it is my favourite scene, which is when they're on the plane going back to the headquarters having captured him and I think they captured him without any permission so it's a rendition yeah they've gone rogue basically and Tom well, no, Cruise it's that kind of rogue that the American government actually don't mind oh it's like, yeah. sweet it's naughty soft rogue it's naughty but we'll <laughs> let it happen do well, it in Cuba the reason I like it so much it's one of those rare moments where Tom Cruise's character just loses it right and he basically opens the hold in the plane because uh, Owen Davian's getting oh, to scene, him. Yeah, 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 and he just holds him above it. And, like, Fitz and Hoffman's character seems fairly unfazed. They yeah. bring him back up. Basically, I think it's Bing Rames' character is shouting, Ethan, what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, But then... Oh, when, oh, it's like Ving's in the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't look, do you know what? If I tried to do it, I would have got more of these. Um, <laughs> but basically, Ethan, been, no. he's been, been held out of a plane and he looks unfazed <laughs> for Zuma Hoffman. And then he basically, all he says was, he just goes... Uh, he just says his name. He goes, Ethan. <laughs> so he now knows who... <laughs> I love you telling things. It's so good. <laughs> and he basically, from that point, he knows who he, he can work at. Because he didn't really know who this guy is that's captured him. Yeah. And then, like, from there onwards, he gets... He kidnaps his wife. And it oh, all goes to pot. yeah. He finds out, basically... He's one all step, he's yeah, ten steps ahead yeah. of yeah. Just all he needed was his name. <laughs> so Vin Rames so he's done himself. That. Yeah, Vin Rames is the problem, basically. Yeah. That, that is a problem for Ving Rhames. Yeah, and then it's all kind of a bit of a long scene because then that plane gets hit. Yeah. They're on, uh, no, the planes get hit. They're in the Jeep, aren't they? On the bridge, which gets ambushed. And that's an incredible scene yeah. with the rocket launcher coming down and blowing Tom Cruise into a Jeep. Into a I don't pile. know how he doesn't die. The yeah. jet flies past. I'd like, it's an amazing scene. I don't scene. want it to happen, but 
if he dies making one of these movies, mm. I feel like they'll fi- he'll have a way to incorporate it into the movie. Yeah. It'll come out and it'll be one of the best sequences. I saw an interview that someone had done at the Junket um, with Simon Pegg, and they were building it up as like an actual thing where they were saying, oh, every time the Tom Cruise goes off to do a stunt, Simon Pegg says goodbye to him as if it's his last thing. And like <laughs> the, the, uh, the website that had run it was like, I'd run it like, Simon Pegg's like, yeah, I just, you know, say goodbye to my parents. He's saying it for a laugh. And they yeah. did an entire story on it. They'd be like, he's not dying doing any of this. If he was dying, they just wouldn't let him do it. Like, I don't know. They, I don't know. Things do, I don't think like, you can tell him not to do it. That's the problem with Tom No, yeah. you can't say no to Tom <laughs> You can't, that's the thing. The Burj Khalifa thing he did, although he had a harness, is still insane. <laughs> the helicopter, the helicopter, like... Yeah. Like, Takes one on, thing on to American snap Made, which is a movie Tom Cruise made, a pilot died on that movie. Really? Yeah. Like people do die on film yeah, sets. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not like I know he didn't die, but he broke his ankle, didn't he? Making yeah. this last one. Maybe he's just pissed that day, though. <laughs> <laughs> he's had a couple. Of, it was like a Friday afternoon. It's like one of ours because that was actually shot near our office. Yeah. <laughs> he's had like three punks, <laughs> and he was like. Chris, I, can I, do it. I said dead pony. Yeah. <laughs> I can do it. It's your fault, Macquarie. <laughs> right, I'm going to take six ones off. <laughs> yeah, where's my settler's katan? I know it's called Mission Impossible Fallout, but we weren't meant to fall out. Yeah, I blame Ving, I blame Ving Rooms then. Is that why they, they, you didn't really do anything the next one, did he? I think, yeah, that was the one, the one where he, he just yeah. turns up at the end. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, what happened? And they're like, all good. Yeah, all good. All good things. Well, it's like because like Ethan's mad at him for a movie. I think it was just, like yeah. you're benched. Get yeah, out for one. I think it would be though. It'd be like, yeah. uh, <laughs> I like, yeah. like turns up at the end. Like, so what have you guys been up to? And they're like, they're all like scuffed up. Nothing. Like, you haven't been on one of those impossible missions again without me, have you? Yeah. You said you would ring me. It's a weird thing because like the team was a, quite a big thing in the show, and obviously yeah. it's the Tom Cruise show. Mission Impossible Two probably more so than any of the movies is yeah. him just being like. Secret Agent Ethan Hunt. Mm. Whereas, like, they've got a bit more recurring recently. Like, yeah. Thing Rhymes' role is pretty Shite. small yeah. by I and large. Could you? Who else has been there? Yeah. Like, in the first film, there's a bigger team. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, like, Ethan emerges out of it. Yeah. They have, so, Milo um, Estevez. Yeah. I like Jean Reno. Yeah. yeah. He's got a big badly. Um, oh, in three, they have, what's his name? The guy. That's going to annoy me now. Logistics Please. boy. Nah, it's the. Uh, I think he might be Welsh. Because Ren is in four. Yeah. Um, so also, Sophie in the, Q. Who's the guy who's in the Tudors? Oh, Davis. Henry Cavill. <laughs> no, not Reese Davis. Jonathan Reese Myers. Him. Oh, he's yeah, in yeah. It. There um, we go. What? What happened to Jeremy Renner in no one The Mission Impossible? In the last one, yeah. He's, he's too expensive nine, is he? now. Is he in five, Rogue Nation? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. I couldn't he's tell you. He's in four and five. And then uh, last I one, bet that's probably no Shakes Link as well. Yeah. He's off on another mission. There's lots of missions. He's doing his spin-off. He did the Bourne spin-off. Now he's doing the Mission Impossible spin-off. Yeah. Also, I'm quite unsure on like the rationale of... Because there's a plot point in this movie. It's, there's not supposed to say. How do they determine internally yeah. what goes to the CIA and what goes to IMF? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, Ugo, who's making that decision? Because obviously there's lots of butting heads in this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> who is the person who goes... To make this mission work, we need something mad. Yeah, and we just... all need to deliberately not work together. Yeah, <laughs> and the CIA, CIA is like, oh, we've got loads of maddens. And we're like, oh, yeah. IMF, like, no, we've got yeah. maddens. We've got we better save maddens. that for the spoiler. Um, yeah. Did you ever watch the original TV show? <laughs> no. I used to watch it sometimes with my dad on um, Channel 4. Yeah. And it was really good. Like, yeah. uh, But the thing I always remember, because my dad spoke Russian and Ukrainian, Yeah. 
obviously the time the show was met um, was made around the sixties, all the McCarthyism and stuff, and you know Russia was terrible in the eyes of America. Yeah, uh, unlike now. And what they did on all the control panels in Russia, they still wanted American audiences to be able to like read stuff. Yeah. So sometimes they would just do like backwards R's, <laughs> and it's like. I said do Cyrillic, not write in acrylic. <laughs> and at, the time I was tra- at the time, I was trying to like learn Cyrillic. Yeah. I have flashcards. I was like, yeah, I'm wicked was, at I'm wicked I was like, at this. I can read yeah. this now. So like She's a mirror. She's a- <laughs> Easy. That's at what point do you think they went? Because they did Mission Impossible 1, 2, 3, and then they were right. No, I don't call it 4. Ghost Protocol. Yeah. Is it, do you think they were getting too close to it being MI5, MI6? And they yeah. just didn't want that. Possibly, yeah. Pun there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, maybe. So what? Is that what MI stands for? What? <laughs> Mission Impossible. We have Mission Impossibles. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> All this time. What? Yeah. What is the tagline MI5, not 9 to 5? What's that for? That's the Dolly Parton. Is, that for, service yeah. <laughs> is that for spooks? I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> is, I think spooks uh, is maybe. MI5, not Come, 9 oh, to 5. <laughs> oh, you know, on this podcast before, we did that, oh, that special with Kit Harrington, <laughs> yeah. the spooks movie. Yeah. Just compare that to Mission Impossible. Oh, Have you seen that spooks movie? There's a scene bother, no, in yeah. it where he has to get yeah, from spooks. Terminal 1 to Terminal 4, and it's a bit <laughs> busy. <laughs> It is. It's MI5, not 95. It is, to be fair. That is a bit there's of a ball. Like, there's yeah. a bit in that uh, interview with Kit Arrington when you go, oh, that scene where you have to get from Terminal 1 to Terminal 4. Oh, we've oh, it. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite hanging from a helicopter, is it? Didn't know. No, but done well. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Do you know what I love about Mission Impossible films, though? What do you love about the Mission Impossible films? Banging Simon? music. Yeah? Yeah. Which love the music. Like? What, the, 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 that one. That's a good it's bit. good, isn't it? Limbiscuits um, was good, very good. Oh, I think it was. What's that song called? The Limbiscuit one. Take a look Take around. A look around. I think it was number three, or possibly it might be number two. Um, I think with the, the music's done. Metallica. The, Metallica not do it for. Yeah, Metallica did, did like disappear. What did Limbiscuit do it for? What? For two as well. Two as oh, well. both from two. Singles coming off it. Yeah, yeah. and the food and this Foo Fighters cover. And I think it's two that the main theme, um, the guitars are done by, or the. The drums and the bass are done by you too. Kanye West did one for three. Did he? Yeah. I tell you what, there was a lot of money <laughs> swishing around the year two thousand, yeah. wasn't yeah. there? Like, yeah. well, I think like Metallica hadn't, hadn't really done like much film stuff before, but that was when all Napster stuff was kicking off, and they were like, you know, how we make money, films. We'll just do, we'll do films. Oh, we actually now. say Mission Impossible yeah. Two is actually the best one. Yeah. No. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, also, yeah. another yeah. thing that like John Woo does, particularly in Face Off, that looks like. <laughs> Having a he gun, having a gun is cool. Yeah. Having two handguns is yeah. fucking cool. Is he cool, just obsessed? Has he got a little kink for face changing? Who John Woo? <laughs> yeah, he Don't... loves it. Oh, um, hmm. but there's lots of good music in the Mission Impossible films. Yep. Do you know who did the soundtracks or the score for Mission Impossible Three and Ghost Protocol? I do. It's only friend, friend of the bloody podcast, Michael Giacchino. <laughs> oh. Giacchino. Jackers, uh, Jackers to his, to his mates. Um, so if you don't know, a few weeks back, we did a feature uh, on how Jackers needs to calm the fuck down. Because we, dis- we discovered that every single one of his scores, the track listing he does for them, are just mad. And it's just all really, <coughs> really rubbish puns. Mm. So I went back and I thought I'd look at the MI3 and Ghost Protocol uh, scores to see if he was up to his old tricks back then. <laughs> Interestingly enough, um, for MI3... He hadn't really done it that much. This is a normal. This is a normal uh, track list, and some shitters on there as well. Um, track two, 
factory rescue. This is what when he was not there? famous yeah. enough to like do that. Yeah. This Fact. is before he won an Oscar. Track three, evacuation. <laughs> Track five, special agent Lindsay Farris. <laughs> oh, she has a bad time. Track seven, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. What? Um, <laughs> That's a part of it. Isn't That's it? Yeah. the Vatican. Is it yeah, also yeah, about yeah. a big water? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has to. Um, yeah. He has, <laughs> he has, he has to be a big egg. <laughs> it was. He has to just climb up it really quickly, then get into yeah. like a cardinal's outfit or something. Oh, it's yeah. insane. There was a. Um, there was like slight inklings that he was going off the rail. So track four. Humpty Dumpty's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But track four. Hell of a copter chase. <laughs> that's 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 definitely hell of a copter is one word. I like that. Um, but by 2011, by ghost protocol, Jackers was firmly on his bullshit. Are we just charting bullshit. his madness? Yeah, yeah. He's just gone slowly he's, insane. He's firmly on his bullshit, right? So I'll give you some of the best ones, and then I'll see if you can guess a couple of them, right? If I give you a clue. So track number one, give her my Budapest. Oh, that's probably the scene in Budapest. Um, track number six, from Russia with Shove. What? <laughs> That's track, just awful. Track number 13, Mission Impersonatable. <laughs> but see if you can guess these ones, right? Uh, track number four, tra- track 14, can you guess what it's about? So it's a pun on the character Sabine Moreau. Right? Oh, guess oh, that's the pun. Le- that's yeah, see Le- if you can guess what it is. Assassin, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See if you can guess the pun. So it, it doesn't, what's it called? Sabine Moreau. Moreau or less? It's not far oh, off. It's a famous More, saying. Moreau than meets the eye. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's not quite. The island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> uh, Mo- it, it is actually Moreau trouble than she's worth. Oh. <laughs> uh, this is pathetic. Track 18. This one, there's one about Mumbai. Can you guess what that mm. is? Mumbai's the word. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Spy, spy stuff, this isn't it? Is, Keep it secret. This is my favourite one, though. It's the final one. Uh, see if you can guess it. Track five. It's about the Kremlin. Krem, Kremlin blue light. Kremlin. Kremlin in the machine. No, that's better. Kremlin, <laughs> Kremlin impossible. <laughs> He's better than that, but not much. Kremlin. It is Kremlin with anticipation. (laughs) What? I would never in a million years. (laughs) I don't Uh. think any normal people would have, to be fair. Um, But yeah, that's another installation. You think someone's ever going to go, Jackers, this is why your songs don't have words. (laughs) Yeah. That's what you're good at the instrument stuff. She's Jesus. like, Zimmo's making his words up. So like, yeah, Zimmo's allowed. Okay. Yeah, Lisa's wicked. <laughs> well, that's it. So, who wants to hear Simon Pegg talking some, about some awesome stuff? At all. Yeah? Yeah, go on. I've well, here it. it is. We always ask people who come on our podcast what their favourite movie, TV show and video game is. Do you have a favourite one of those or three of them? Um, it's always a difficult question. I, it is, I find I it hard to speak in absolutes because because um, it's it, invariably it shifts, you know. And I do I do have favourite films and favourite what have you. I'll tell you what my favourite things are right now. Oh, that's good. Yeah, um, I am currently 
watching my daughter play Fortnite. Amazing. All that time. Yeah. Uh, I, I get on it. It's not the same as I, I, I've My record is like one kill. Yeah. It's, and she, she's nine and she builds and she crazy bases and she's got all these skins. That's the thing, building, man. Building's the hardest bit. Well, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's interesting because they, they've taken the best aspects of Minecraft mm. and give, put it into a first person shooter. And yeah. it's just, it's amazing how like, when she, the YouTube videos she watches, it used to be all Minecraft. Yeah. We play Minecraft still. But um, it's it's all about Fortnite now, so we yeah. play that. And I like for her birthday, I just got her V Bucks because that's what she wanted. You know, <laughs> it's like okay, maybe she's going to buy something which is intangible. I used to buy records with my birthday yeah. money. She wants to buy cryptocurrency on the internet. That's a pretty good thing that a dad would do, though, because I feel like a lot of dads would tell them to fuck off. Like, <laughs> well, she did. She said, "Dad, can I spend such and such amount, like a lot for Christmas, my Christmas money, on V Bucks?" And, and me and my wife spoke about it, and it's like, well. What did we buy with our birthday money? Yeah. It was stuff that we invariably would end up getting thrown away, and it's all pretty intangible. So yeah. if she wants to purchase, you know, currency <laughs> inside the <laughs> cyberland, fine. So yeah, Fortnite is my current favorite video game. Yeah, uh, I just saw Hereditary, which I loved. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic slow burn horror, really with good. scary in the right way, in a <clears> way that <throat> contemporary horror has kind of forgotten. Yeah, you know, the jump scare seems to be king at the moment, and even though there is value in that, it's tiring, and it doesn't. It's such a classy film. It's really good, and it stays with you. Yeah, in, in a, it reminded me of Don't Look Now and, yeah. and the sort of the third Exorcist and uh, and TV show Handmaid's Tale. Oh bit. yeah, yeah, it's just. Brilliant television. A lot of people keep saying Handmaid's Tale when we have them on the podcast, but it's, they keep saying the same thing, which is like, you can only really watch like one or two episodes and then you kind of got to give a little break. You can't like binge it. Yeah. I feel like it's too sad to binge. I think binging as well is, it's all very well, but I think you lose something from binge watching in yeah. that you don't get to sit with an episode afterwards. Like, particularly with a show like Handmaid's, which is very thought provoking, mm. you need time to just process each episode, which is why I like it when shows come out, even if they're you know, uh, come out onto a streaming service if they're, if they're gradually given out in increments yeah. because then you get time to, if something's just dumped at once, yeah. like you'll just watch it all in one go, Absolutely. like Stranger yeah, Things, because yeah. you do want to watch it. You can't resist the urge to binge. It's hard, isn't it? Because it's kind of taken away that whole like talking about things. Because instead of like, because everyone's at different parts of the yeah. show, so you can't just be like everyone's talking about that one episode of Lost that aired on Sunday night. Yeah, Everyone yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm on wow, episode that's a, six. That's I'm a on deep episode cut. eight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lost. Well, that's because I remember like being at uni and like everyone would we'd watch an episode together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then either go to the pub and just like pour over him, being like about Weirdly, every single scene. Lost was the first show I ever binge watched really? because I, when J.J. Abrams called about Mission Impossible 3, mm. he, he just finished the first season of Lost. And he, at that point, he was only the alias guy. He didn't yeah. really have credentials like he does now. And um, I'd known Alias, so I didn't know it extensively. And he said, oh, I'll send you the first season of the show I've just finished. Yeah. So he sent me the whole of season one of Lost on individual DVDs. Yes, please. And I, and I, and the, and I watched them like one after the other because it was yeah. so engrossing. And that was like pre-streaming, really. Those are good answers, man. Very good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> did you recognize the street outside when you walked in? Because you, like, they were Have filming I? a little bit of Mission Impossible there. 
Oh, is it round here? Yeah, it was like literally there. But I guess you were probably in a van being like shepherded. Oh, I was staring at my phone, looking, yeah. trying to find validation. In it was there was a online. lot of stuff. <laughs> there was a lot of interested people just looking out the window constantly, being like, "There's Tom Cruise." Like, yeah, yeah. I think we Tom shot Cruise. in an, in the alleyway up here, didn't yeah, we? I yeah, think yeah, it was, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was like there's a big car park or something. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we we'll probably see it for like 15 seconds in the film. You may glimpse it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Um, <laughs> I absolutely love Sean Harris. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I think he's amazing, but. He properly freaks me out. Like he terrifies mm. me in film. Like, is can you please just put it to bed? Is he super nice? Does he like play tricks on people, bringing cakes and stuff to set? No. Or is he mad? <laughs> <laughs> no, Sean's an actor in 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 a sense that I, I he's lovely and yeah. and he's a lot more lovely than he might initially appear as well yeah. because he's quite guarded and he's a shy guy. Um, he, but he is very funny, and he yeah. likes to be funny. Okay. But he, you know, he's in it for all the right reasons, Sean. Mm. It's all about the the kind of performance. He'd be very uncomfortable doing something like this yeah. because he finds it difficult to turn that on in a way. Yeah. Um, but I'm really, really fond of Sean, and yeah. and on this film particularly, we spent a lot of time together. And the first time I met him, he was was on Twenty Four Hour Party People when he was. What? He's incredible in that. When I only met him dead, yeah. Like, and the whole day he was just in the coffin, like methoding it, and uh, that was my first intimation of Sean Harris. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's an extraordinary performer, and he gives great villain. You yeah. Know? At any point during the sort of filming of this film, were you just sort of just watching, being like, "Fuck, that's Superman fighting Tom Cruise," or are you, <laughs> are you more professional than that? Than I would be. <laughs> no, no, I got I got kicked in the head by Superman. Sweet, uh, which was fun. Um, that wasn't on camera. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was funny. I mean, Henry's a bit of a nerd as well. Yeah. Like he knows his comic book stuff. He 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 yeah. he's very well versed in in the you know in the Jurel yeah. in the um, House of L yeah. kind of uh, law, and um, and so it's quite fun to talk comic books with him. Yeah, bad. Um, and he he really relishes playing Superman as well, which is nice. He cares about it. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's always fun. It's fun to get information from the horse's mouth like mm. that. Do you get like little tidbits from him? Be like, what's happening next? Come on, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would, wouldn't you? I think you? as a nerd, though, that must be perfect for you because you're just like, yeah, this is sweet. Well, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm just interested in the process, you know, the filmmaking process and also the current sort of obsession with comic books. Mad, you know. It, yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's interesting to be on the front line of that somewhat and yeah. hear about it and talk about it. Well, that's the thing. I feel like you're a lot of people's first, you know, good nerd that was on TV. And it was like, remember back in space when, you know, you're sitting there playing Resident Evil and you're like, shit, it's okay to be a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Because this guy on telly is. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tim worked in a comic shop and um, yeah. he was a graphic artist. And, yeah, I mean, that, that was, you know, in, in the wake of sort of Kevin Smith's sort of output, Clark's and what have you, um, and that's, how, that's the life me and Jess were living at the time, and yeah. we didn't feel represented in any way on television by the likes of, you know, as much as I love the show, Friends or Coupling, or any of these shows that purported to be about 20-somethings. Yeah. They didn't speak to us at all, you yeah. know. We didn't have that life, because those shows weren't written by people our age. So, you know, that was us just being super specific, and then suddenly finding out that it was actually quite universal, you know. Yeah. And you've now done more Mission Impossible films than Cornetto films. Do so you think people yeah. just stopped going on about the Cornetto films now? You'd be like, I'm the, I'm the Mission Impossible guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think, you know, I often see myself billed as Shaun of the Dead's Simon Pegg. And Still? I think, I think I always will be. And, I'm, and that's something I'm extremely proud of. Mm. To be Shaun of the Dead is a nice thing, considering how, how long the film seems to have lasted and how, yeah. how um, people um, seem to, to, uh, to, to enjoy it. Yeah. 
do you ever find yourself in a shop going, I really want to buy a Cornetto, but there's no fucking way because <laughs> someone's going to get a picture of me eating one? It's all right, because my wife buys um, uh, the, the packs. The multi-packs. From uh, the Ocado <laughs> man. There's never not a mint Cornetto in my fridge. See, that would do my night, not being able to pass a shop <laughs> and be able to just have the opportunity to go and buy a Cornetto whenever I wanted to. I try and buy one. If I'm in, I bought one in, uh, in um, it wasn't a Cornetto, but it was the Cornetto equivalent in Tibet. Yeah. Just so I could, you know, try and g get the global Cornetto style ice cream experience. Yeah. Um, How was but it? yeah, in America, uh, because they don't have them in America, they're called like drumsticks, the, the similar thing. Or, they haven't or, got a clue over there. No, but, but people that come over here from the States who are fans of those movies uh, will, or back in the day when I was on Twitter, yeah. um, I would often get photographs of people ho like, I bought one. Which was ever so nice. That is really nice. And walls surely owe us some money. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, between like Mission Impossible and I've been watching like, Nick Frost in Into the Badlands. Mm. Like it's fucking amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Doing, like you guys can do like proper fighting now. Oh, Nick's very nimble for yeah. a man of his size. He's incredibly um, fit and uh, athletic. And uh, yeah, it's fun learning those skills. Yeah. You know, we, we always. I mean, whenever I do a mission film, I have to train quite extensively and yeah. learn to do new things and learn to fight and what have you and that's uh it's a that's a, a, a joy yeah i feel like if you ever guys ever did a film together it'd have to be a big fucking fight in there well we the world's end was our sort of kung fu yeah. movie you know we, fighting each other oh god yeah we had a we had a uh, we have one brief altercation at the end of the world's end which was fun but um i would never ever take on nick yeah. he can he can put the full force of his girth behind a punch <laughs> i've seen him i've seen him get larry I bet he does. And right. he's, yeah, I mean, he's, that's the thing, he's, he's a good most, man to have on side. He's one of the most beautiful men in the world, but he's he also is. looks he's one of the most dangerous men. He well. can take care of himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and me. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like with all like the Star Wars, like solo films that are going on now, sort of the spin off films, Uncle Plutt's got to be <laughs> the next on the list, right? It feels like there's so much more to him that we need to know. Why not? We might as well yeah. squeeze the Star Wars sponge <laughs> further. And, uh, you know, uh, try and ring another uh, movie. No, I, I would never want to get into that costume yeah. again. Um, was it horrible? It was, no, it was, JJ always takes the piss out of me for complaining, but yeah. it was the, the head was very, very hot. Yeah. And, um, but, but, but the day I shot the scene that wasn't in the movie with, with Chewbacca, uh, I, I had to look to Chewbacca for um, security, or yeah. for, for just to soothe because I was in this, this incredibly hot suit, and, but every now and again I just look up and there, there would he be. Yeah. And um, you know, when he's in the suit, the, I, 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 you can't relate to that character as anything but of course, the yeah, character. Yeah. It, it's not like a person in a suit, yeah. it's like an animal. And it's, quite, it's kind of weird yeah. and beautiful. Because I saw that scene, like the, uh, the deleted scene, mm. I remember watching it and thinking, because I think you say to her, uh, like, in a, like, you don't know how much trouble you're in. Mm. And from that, I was like, there's more to this. I thought that he was protecting her. And even though he's an absolute shit to her, there's actually something nice about him. I don't know. Doing. And I don't That's comment. I always thought, yeah. For, for fear of clickbait headlines, yeah, I don't say a word. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely fine. But there was like I think one of the things I always remember is when they showed the like behind the scenes video that you were in. Yeah. The smile that's on your face. I, I think it's like pure unadulterated joy. Being on that set was was something else just because, you know, this was the first time Star Wars had reappeared since the, the prequels and um, you know, and it was a sort of return to the aesthetics of the originals as well. So that kind of nostalgia in me from my childhood um, really took over and I yeah. felt like it was um, 
a strange catharsis in a way. I found myself after it not really almost feeling like I was done with it all, you know? Yeah. It was a strange sensation. Yeah, it must be quite hard. Well, it was beautiful and brilliant, and I had yeah. a wonderful summer, and, and, and it was great to meet Carrie and, and uh, all the guys, and, and, you know, it was such a lovely bunch of people. But I felt like, um, I felt like I closed the chapter in my life. It's weird. I haven't felt any interest in Star Wars yeah. since, oddly. That's actually quite beautiful, though, in a yeah. way. Um, but yeah, and final question that we ask every single person that comes on the podcast. Have you seen the film The Prestige? Oh, yes. Do you like it? Yes, I think it's Chris Nolan's, um, you know, best, hidden gem. Best, yeah. best yeah. film. It's great. Although, the, the, the reveal of Christian Bale in disguise is like, well, yeah. <laughs> it's obviously him. <laughs> I don't know, man. I watched it with my girlfriend the other day. I watched it with Clara because she hadn't seen it. Oh, really? Yeah, for the first time on New Year's Day. Yeah. And uh, she did not see that coming. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, she thought Maybe it it's a second else. watch thing. Maybe I'm yeah. being overly... I made, sure I, made, I made sure it was in the Blu-ray version as well, because I think that looks worse. I showed her the DVD version. Oh, nice. Got, the slightly so like, misty little, quality. Yeah, a bit murkier. <laughs> yeah. And she didn't get it, so it was good. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, man. That was a pleasure. Brilliant. There he is, Opego. Lovely lad. Lovely lad. Got a lot of assignment, yeah. Oh, yeah, shit. Same. But yeah, you were saying you were saying on the day you were like, "Oh, it's gonna be awkward when you introduce me," and you're like, "Simon, this is Simon." And I was like, "I'll just yeah, introduce, introduce you." As, you don't meet many Simons. I'll introduce you as Cardi, and I did, and it was fine. It's weird, though. <laughs> and you introduced him as Peggy. Yeah, <laughs> Cardi meet Peggy. Peggy Cardi. Um, right then, let's listen to Mr. Macquarie talking. Then is it? Oh, yeah. Was he nice? Oh. It was lovely. Yeah. It was a Saturday for you as well. I know. It's, okay. Yeah, I told him that. I was Just like, yeah, I usually, I usually have, I'm usually in bed at this time. But yeah, he was fine about it. Did you go Chris or Christopher? Uh, Mr. Macquarie. Mr. Macquarie. Yeah. yeah. Here he is. Here's some of that. So with Mission Impossible, it's your second Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, there's realistic action movies, there's really unrealistic action movies, and Mission Impossible kind of pushes credibility a little bit. Do you set yourself any internal rules about what is maybe going too far beyond realism? Um, we, just, we, have a, we, we have an instinct for what is and what isn't mission. You know, that's, that's, that's how we think about it. And, uh, and we always tend to, uh, to go a little bit too far. We always tend to over-explain a little bit. Uh, I think one of the reasons that Mission uh, sometimes get dinged for its uh, plots being really convoluted, we explain everything. Mm. And when we start testing the movie, uh, the audience starts to tune out when you have dialogue scenes in these yeah. movies. And so there's a very fine balance between, uh, between how much is enough information and how much is too much. Uh, same with action. There are things that we try that are just a little too crazy and a little too out there, and we tend to dial them back. It's just like the scene where they meet Alec Baldwin, and it starts getting even complicated for the characters, but you sense that they're aware of that, and then it's kind of the point, and you kind of puncture through it with a bit of comedy. Yes, absolutely, and uh, and we're always evaluating um, where the the lesson I learned in this movie is a scene like that where this information dump comes in the middle of the movie. Uh, I I was able to rewrite that scene before we shot it to make it all about conflict. Uh, I turned it all into drama between the characters to hide the fact that what's really going on is you're being hit with a huge load of exposition. When you use the phrase "what is and isn't mission," are you 
is that always like a shift in canon of rules or do you look back to the TV show even anymore as a, as a guiding kind of, you know? It's, a, it's, 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 a, a it's, it's an evolving set of instincts that change a little bit with every movie. Each movie that you add to the franchise affects its DNA. Uh, but the only, there are very few rules. I think the only rules that I've ever been given were Ethan has to get a mission, there has to be a team, you have to use the theme song, and Ethan doesn't like to do the things that he's doing. He doesn't want to do any of the crazy mm -hmm. stuff. He's not a daredevil. Uh, and that, that creates a lot of the character humor uh, and a lot, of the, a lot of the empathy that you have for, for Ethan's character. Beyond that, the sky's the limit. You can do whatever you want. It's like with this movie, you were like the first returning director and writer. Yeah. Is because of that, is that why in this movie it feels like you want to dig into a little bit more of the psychology of Ethan Hunt? Why he, you know, despite, you know, 20 years later, 22 years later, he's still doing these things when he doesn't have to. Yes. Uh, well, I think Ethan has to. Yeah. I think Ethan knows that Ethan's, I, I don't think Ethan believes that there's another Ethan out there, you know, waiting in the wings to take over his job. Uh, I think he would be very grateful if somebody was there. And that's a feeling that we have when we're making movies. There's just days where you get up and go, can somebody else just please do this? <laughs> I just, I, can anybody handle this for me? Uh, and it's, it's, this, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a feeling that, that translates into the movie itself. Tom and I are always joking that, uh, but it's, it's half serious that making a Mission Impossible, the experience of making a Mission Impossible is very similar to the experience of watching a Mission Impossible, the, the, what you see the team going through a lot of times is what is what we're going through. Um, because you know it's you know six movies, but they're not like every year, every other year. How how careful do you have to be with recurring elements? So within the last couple of movies that you've done, mm -hmm. there's been recurring elements which probably weren't in the first three movies. You know, love interests, villains. Mm -hmm. Is that something you wanted to do? You think that was important to do? Um, it all was, all of it has come together as a matter of circumstance. Um, I worked on Ghost Protocol, uh, behind the scenes, and when I came on board, Julia's character was dead. Uh, she had died between three and four. My problem with that is it created kind of an emotional drag on the story. No matter how happy the ending was, if you were going for a happy ending, it was muted by the fact that he'd lost someone in a, in a, in a rather, in a rather brutal way. Uh, so we resurrected her character and created that ending at the end of the movie to explain all of that stuff away. Um, when we were promoting uh, Ghost Protocol or uh, Rogue Nation, having brought Ilsa in, there were people saying to Tom when we were touring, uh, "How can you be with Ilsa? You're you're still married to Julia." And we thought that was really interesting for two reasons: one, he wasn't with Ilsa. They didn't really develop a romantic relationship. And we thought we had answered the other question about Julia. And so in this movie, we decided to answer it. And that's what, that's what brought Michelle Monaghan back into the story, uh, was a sense of wanting to, was wanting to tie up a loose end of another movie that we hadn't even really anticipated. So it's not that they're, that they're calculated elements of a story. It's just, it's, it's, they're creative opportunities mm. that we find in other movies that that play into this one. Almost like you're written into a corner, but that becomes the spur for something. Yeah, I mean, and movie making for me is just problem solving. And the more boundaries you create for me at the beginning of the process, that's what that's what dictates what the story is going to be. I just go with it. Um, talking about the writing, with um, 
action sequence is obviously a huge part of these movies and there's some amazing ones in this movie. Do you start with the ideas for the action sequences independent of the story or is the story leads to a moment where you go, well, we're in this location, we need this to happen and that becomes the framework? On the last movie, it was very much about action sequences. We, we came up with big action sequences and sort of played mix and match of where they were going to go, first act, second act, third act. Uh, in this movie, we did it completely differently. We approached it from character and emotion, starting with that story, starting with Ethan's backstory and his inner life. I wanted the audience to feel rooted with the character and know that they knew what was going on inside his head. Uh, mission is all about not knowing what Ethan is really thinking at any given moment. And part of what makes some of the twists in the movie work is you believe from the beginning of the movie that you're told from the beginning of the movie that you are inside this guy's head. Uh, but there are certain elements, obviously, that are, that are not left to you. Um, and this time we let the, I, I, I was, in terms of developing the action, I told the studio I didn't want to start writing the script until I had scouted the movie which was very confusing for a lot of people because it's not the way the process is normally done. Location scouts didn't know where to go because they didn't know what the scenes were. And I said, don't worry about the scenes. Bring me the locations. Bring me stuff that looks good. And I'll, and I'll tell you what happens there. And so we, and because normally what happens is you write a scene in a vacuum, and then you go looking for a place to shoot it. And you either compromise the location or you compromise the scene. And the visual uh, side of the story was of the utmost importance to me. I wanted it to be visually engaging and constantly visually evolving. Mm. So I sent everybody out to find the locations and then and went there and said, here's what I think could happen here. And one location was actually directly outside of my office. Oh, which one was that? Uh, it was um, in Oldgate in East London. I think you were filming in a building site and you were underground. And like, yes. I think it's the scene where I think Rames' character is explained to Ilsa. Ethan and his past relationship. Oh, yes, in the parking garage. Yeah, yes. so we were spying on you when you were doing Yes, that. yes, yes. So it was a beautiful location. It had all that, uh, it had about two inches of standing water in it. Yeah. It was, and we would sweep the water down the drain <laughs> and the place would slowly flood over the course of the day. And, um, yeah, it was really beautiful. When you're doing action sequences, obviously Tom Cruise is notorious for doing, wanting to do as much as possible and obviously injured himself quite majorly on this one. Yeah. Do you, as a director, can you intervene and tell him what to do or does he do his own thing? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, that's that's my job. I have to I have to assess it and say at a certain point, uh, you know what? We're all tired. The day's over. We got to go home. That happens very rarely, and it's something that Tom, being as dedicated as he is, will he will push himself. Uh, and there are very few occasions where I've had to step in and just go, we're going to go home today. Uh, there were elements in the car, ch uh, the uh, helicopter chase, where we all agreed ahead of time. We were all talking to each other on radio, and if you sensed any tension or any kind of any kind of disagreement, uh, that was an automatic cut. We're going home. We're just we're flying out. Uh, and and of course that sequence came with a lot of a lot of risk and a lot of tension. So. Uh, uh, you, you were listening very carefully and just, and there were, there were days when Tom just, he'd hear somebody else on the radio and just say, all right, that's it. Let's, everybody's just let's fly back. Um, but uh, that, that happens very, very rarely. Normally, normally what happens is we're just, we're, uh, we're, we, we, we're very carefully planned and we've, we've worked things out to a point where we, we can very much fit the workload within the day. If you're doing something really dangerous, you, you give yourself double the time that you, you need to shoot it. The last thing you want to be doing is rushing while you're doing something 
and crazy. Kind of went viral on Twitter the other day, and I'm sure you've seen it, is Henry Cavill's beard kind of mysteriously growing at one point. Yes. Do you, is that just a trick of the light? Do you know what that's about? <laughs> My official answer is there was a lot of testosterone in that bathroom. <laughs> that's all I'll say. Okay, it looks like it. Thank <laughs> you very much. Thank you. There we go. Lovely men talking about lovely film. Um, <laughs> lovely and if you, film. And if you like that, we're going to talk about it now. Um, what do you guys think? I this is all spoilers it. from here on. Oh, yeah, well. spoilers. So don't want Ooh. any spoilers about Mission Impossible Possible. Fallout. Yep, and Stop. probably Rogue Nation as well because they were linked. Yeah, they're basically. I think it's all on the table. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was Jim Phelps in the first one. Yeah, he wrong and <laughs> it, it was weird. But I'm lucky because I thought because I hadn't seen Rogue Nation. That's the only one I hadn't seen before seeing this one. I thought yeah. the night before I was like, I'll watch it just to get a feel of it. I'm glad I did because yeah. it's basically a sequel. This one. Yeah. Mm. So I would have been. Pretty I think more lost. so than any of the other yeah. movies in so the, the franchise villain, thus far. Yeah. I think Chris McQuarrie doing like the first returning director writer. Mm. He's tried to like continue certain elements, yeah. which I I wasn't anticipating at all because I've no. not seen Real Nations since it came out. So I was still enjoyed it. Yeah. And I think if you didn't, you'd still obviously it's, there's a lot to yeah. like get on with. I couldn't it. tell you a scene from Rogue Nation. Really? Yeah, f- very similar. Like, I remember the yeah. scene in Rogue Nation right at the end where they put the they imprison the bad guy in, a in, in basically an IKEA wardrobe that they assemble yeah. really quickly underground around him. <gasps> it is interesting because it's basically what Mendes has done with Bond, try and make them kind of a through line yeah. story and maybe he went well it's worked for them pretty well on yeah. and off anyway yeah. But, yeah. I, I think it's yeah <clears throat> it struggles with Bond as well because they try to like bring in like recurring elements but obviously mm. some of the charm of those movies is the fact that they do reset every yeah. single one and they've almost kind of got themselves into a little bit of a tangle with like the Eva Green stuff because yeah. he's yeah. meant to love her but yet you still want Bond to be like part of that formula is he, like he'll go on and have had new like yeah. romantic entanglements but then that kind of makes him yeah, it's, yeah it becomes confusing whereas Ethan Hunt has had less of those moments yeah. thus far. Yeah. But when Macquarie came on board with Rogue Nation, he almost, I think, probably went back through all the previous movies and go, what can we grasp here? Yeah. What can we, like, start fleshing out yeah. into more of a character? Yeah. And I know I, like, put it in quite frivolously, the injection scene, but when I was watching it again earlier on, I do feel like he might at some point watch that and it becomes a thing in this movie, this idea of, like, can you save everyone? Yes, I can yeah. do that all the time, but I'm more interested about saving one person, yeah, yeah. which becomes the central conceit of this movie. Because yeah. when Tanley Newton he's like, I will save you. Yeah. And it becomes about saving one. He's like fixated on yeah. it. This it's- time he sings, he saves Bing. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing from the start is the thing that I was, I thought I could follow, I could follow these films quite well. I, can, I, I know how to watch a film. But <laughs> um, cool. the bit with the the suitcase right at the start, it feels like, so you go, right, I'm going to kill Ving Rhames or you give me the suitcase. And he chucks it out, shoots him. And mm. then it feels like he just forgets the suitcase is leave it is around there. the corner. And then he runs off to Ving Rhames, leaves the suitcase there, and then they take the suitcase. I was, like, what's happening yeah. here? I was very confused. My whole confusion with this film was the plutonium. I was like, there's these quite handy <clears throat> balls of plutonium that everyone's fighting for. Yeah. You can find some somewhere else if you really want If you really <laughs> want some plutonium. Yeah. But isn't it about controlling that particular one? <sighs> That's where it lost me. I didn't feel like it explained that to me very well of why it, it needs to be that specific case full of plutonium. Yeah. But from whose perspective? From everyone, everyone from the seemed to be... Well, the IMF definitely... If they know that's the plutonium they're going to use these bombs, yeah. they want yeah. to stop 
that. You know that they have that. that. You want to go after that. I suppose that. it was more from the villain side. If they were like, right, yeah. well, let's go and get somewhere, some, something somewhere. Yeah. Like, this is a pain in the ass. Yeah. We leave this plutonium deal. We'll go get I think you just got buy in that it's, yeah. it yeah. isn't freely available. Um, what? I'm getting Tesco. No. I <laughs> one one point of sale. <laughs> there was, Not there like was, football sticker. <laughs> there was someone behind me. They're all together as well. Uh, at no point during the fake hospital scene did I think. This oh, no, I happened. saw that coming a mile off. But there, but there was, was some. There was, I thought it was really obvious. And I thought it was kind of meant to be obvious. And it was like, oh, this is actually quite a fun scene. Mm. There was someone behind me when the walls went away. Yeah, I don't. Just went. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to be. That, you, that's, man. That, I love that scene because I, that's the most like what the original show used to be. Okay, cool. So it'd be like you'd see them plan it, and then like the last ten minutes, it would all come together, mm. or they'd play a trick on the audience, and you'd be like, yeah. ah, they were well clever, yeah, or it'd go wrong. Yeah. But actually, going wrong was actually going oh, right, and yeah. you weren't. You were you didn't see that last They're step. All like little yeah. heist films. Yeah, right, it's really, well, that's the thing. I did actually genuinely like because we talked about this. Like, I feel like it is quite long, but that heist in the middle, which is I think the power sequence drags for me. Yeah, they, see, they they stage it three times because some of it is like a fake version that someone's imagining and like yeah. talking through. You see it real time. Yeah, and then once they've done the heist, yeah. there's like an escape through Paris again. Yeah, where yeah, Rebecca yeah. Ferguson's character is. So it's like. I've seen a lot of this now yeah. in the same kind I did of location. Feel it in the middle quite a bit. Because I thought they were doing a really interesting thing the first time you see it. Because I thought the way that they sort it's of. It's like no Russian. Yeah. But I thought they were doing a really interesting thing. When he's imagining it happening, mm. I was like, oh, this is how we're going to see it. We're going to see it almost like Ocean's Eleven style, where someone's talking you through it as it's happening. I was like, that's a really interesting way of doing it. And I was like, nah, it's just, he was just imagining it. Yeah. Um, I, I did like at the very end of the Paris sequence when you thought he was properly, properly fucked. Yeah. And then he just like cuts a hole in that thing and he's like and it was all planned it. 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 it was all oh, yeah because that, that is like the <clears> most <throat> like I think Macquarie talks about about in that interview about Mission Impossible has that license to push it beyond the credible yeah it's a stupid title and it's a stupid premise that you know they, they literally in this movie stop it with like one second they always stop yeah. it with one second yeah. but that's the point of this series it's not yeah. meant to be like the bore and stuff where it's a little bit more credible what's Rebecca Ferguson's character called? She, Ilsa? Ilsa, that's it. One of my favourite bits, because is it Sean Harris is the bad dude? He's a good villain. I think he's he? fucking incredible, yeah. He's brilliant. Um, but there's that amazing bit where he goes, uh, where he shoots Ilsa. He goes, that was Ilsa. And he's like, shut up. And he's like, I don't want you involved in this. Yeah. So good. Because he hates him so much. It's brilliant. I did like the film. I thought it was pretty good, pretty solid. But I thought it just lacked that one bit that I love in Mission Impossible film, which is the bit where... They kind of plan out the heist or the robbery or mm. how they have to steal something. It was all pretty... They haven't got time, mate. I thought it was more by the books action film, like chases, fight scene. I, we didn't yeah. get that big sort of more espionage aspect to it, which is the bits I like about it a bit there is a really, like, There's that really good bit in the sewers where they're just all shouting at each other. I really like that, where they're just like, he's, he's gone, no, he's turned, no, you've yeah. turned. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the Macquarie talks about this, like, at that point, he's like, it's intentional it's to... how ridiculous he, he like he purposely yeah. makes it ridiculous that no one knows and it's like yeah. and then he almost undercuts it where everyone's like what's going on yeah well I think that's a good way of doing it because throughout a lot of these films like one of the themes is should this agency even exist and the fact that that is such a ridiculous scene that you just go right none of you have a grip on what's happening <laughs> yes now and again you might get good results but is it worth all this I don't know man. yeah um, I think you're right like I think it is a little bit more espionage in the sense of like who can you trust yeah mm. people playing double agents playing factions against each yeah. other yeah. but you don't get like in the original where it's like 
how are we going to get into this? Like, what, what is the impossible thing yeah. we've got to tackle? Yeah. It's more like, let's tackle the impossible in the minute. Yeah. Like, at the end with the helicopter stuff, yeah, it's like, Ethan get, can solve it? anything on the hoof. Yeah. And, like, he's like, when he's flying off in the helicopter, he has no idea how he's going to do it. Yeah. It's like him almost like defeating the impossible <clears throat> ad hoc yeah. Yeah. rather than, what's your skill set? And, yeah. like, as like, a movie fan and like a team fan you're like oh let's get this guy in because he's good with computers and yeah that whole helicopter sequence is probably as mad as I can remember as that as that series has got yeah. to me it was just I kind of wished <laughs> it was insane I thought that was, I thought that was it good. looked stunning as well yeah. it's a stunning looking action film but I was well. the yeah. whole time you know you can poke poke holes in this in these films as long as you want because they are ridiculous I was just screaming well not actually physically screaming in the cinema because that would be insane yeah but just like Henry Cavill just throw that remote control out the helicopter yeah just boot it yeah just get rid you've I used did... it you're never going to use it again that was the only thing was I did actually feel like it was something it needed another I know it's just mad just to say this though, <laughs> but I thought there'd be an, I thought there'd be no as in like another double cross uh, like okay. I wanted it to actually turn out that Cavill was good or something or was working secretly yeah, with them or something like that but I bit. just felt like he, he was just too bad for mm. I didn't know really why um, like the bit where he thinks Simon Pegg is Sean Harris and he's talking mm. to him I was just like that is I didn't know that was very good and I was like I wanted him to I wanted there to be a little bit more to him and, mm. it, and it wasn't other than him being a really hard bastard because that bathroom sequence is fucking brilliant. Mm. What's his thing? He was he was tasked with going around killing all those agents. And yeah, he feels like abandoned by his government. Basically. Yeah, yeah, he's turned because he's had enough. Whatever well, the reason he was. Yeah, and I think like because he was because he was killing people, everyone hates him because he was killing people. He's like, well, I was literally doing my job. Why if mm. why does anybody like me? Aww. So if you think I'm a dick, I'll show you how much of a dick mm. I can be. I'll bloody um, climb up I'll take modern, mate. Suit. yeah well when yeah. he shoots that policewoman like I did like kind of like that scene it's quite drawn out but when um, the the policewoman who sees them like <laughs> it's quite, I think it's, it plays it's quite really a nice funny, that, yeah. it? but then he's like looking you're just like that woman's getting shot that woman's absolutely getting shot and he's like mm. quite like that um, it did confuse me because they bring back um, <clears throat> Julia his wife's character for the first time in a couple of films yeah and I had completely forgotten where we'd left off with her yeah, me too. So in my head, she was actually dead. <laughs> so when she turned back <laughs> up, I was like, oh, God. Well, She's... is the last time we've seen her at the end when we saw Ving Rhames well, with her? I think it's two in... Two films ago. Is it in four? It's in four, I think, yeah. Goes Proker, where the story is that she has died. That, yeah. Um, Macquarie, thought, Hunt, yeah, Macquarie he... says he wanted to bring her back because he wanted yeah. this, like... Yeah. This, he wanted, I think he wanted to set up this concept for Ethan about... Mm. This idea of one person and, like, yeah. what he brings into their life. And, like, yeah. the, that, that notion in this movie where... He could have settled down with her, but she and he would have both known, like, he's the only man bomb. who can stop these things yeah. from happening. This weird kind of meta-destiny thing for him. Yeah. I actually kind of liked that she was... I thought it was going to be something to do with... What's the name of that dude she's married to in the film? The guy he look, he's, he's quite a famous yeah, actor yeah, to be playing such a small role. Yeah. And I, cause that's what, right at the end, I was like... Is he going to be a wrong gun? Yeah, like, I, thought, I genuinely like, thought he was. Yeah, it's a weird bit. Oh, because I wonder if they cast him just because, like, maybe that's intentional. He's a though. bit like Tom Cruise. He's like, yeah. I don't know. I thought maybe it was intentional that they were something so big, and you thought, oh, but actually, he's just that nice when he's like really over the top yeah. and really it's lovely. Weird yeah. when Thing Rome like explains it to Ilsa, like his relationship with his ex-wife. It's <clears> just, 
weird like occasionally she sends a message up saying she's all right yeah and tom's happy and then they cut to tom cruise just shouting henry cole saying you're a prick yeah <laughs> <laughs> twice on the bathroom prick. also i do love that you can use tom and ethan interchangeably yeah it's yeah. tom cruise Same person, isn't it? i really like the bathroom scene where because obviously cavill's in better shape and he's younger than yeah i like they don't shy away from that the like. bit where he's just knackered and like cavill's down and he's just standing he's like <gasps> and the guy's like coming towards him he's kind of like shakes his head he's like mate if Fucking Superman can't, can't beat you up. I'm not doing it, am I? Yeah, and I'm glad that, like, because um, I think you would think maybe people would think Tom Cruise wouldn't want to acknowledge the fact that he's getting older and stuff. But yeah. That's quite a funny scene. Yeah. I do I, like the bit where they're fucking trying to uh, copy the guy's, the dude's face. It's going wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's messed, like up, a messed up face. Bloody hell. <laughs> like Fresco Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, I was a good, fun film. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> on the poster enjoyed the first third <laughs> sagged in the middle enjoyed the end yeah so there you go uh, yeah there's a good bit where Vin Rheem says my man at yeah. the end much oh, better yeah. than uh, Jason Momoa, Momoa did Momoa is so, saying he it he wins 1-0 yeah. Rames over Momoa <laughs> now get Vin Rames in Aquaman <laughs> imagine Vin Rames as Aquaman I'd really love to interview Vin I Rames. think it's too late imagine that reshoots because <laughs> of the success of Fallout <laughs> Jason yeah. Momoa will be replaced by Vin Rames you think that Rames would do the would be doing the rounds with the I people no nah, he's too cool for her his celebrity status is in a weird place because like he literally just does these now yeah, like he doesn't do suppose, much yeah. he doesn't do much beyond like sitting down roles yeah he's like have you got any roles in vans yeah I love a van <laughs> computer yeah. I can pretend to use one yeah. <laughs> wires I'm great at cutting but them that's think, yeah he's not really in much is yeah. he yeah mm, good for him there you go thing yeah. for you let's get him in yeah <laughs> would he though be any good at keyword countdown If you don't know what Keyword Countdown is, IMDb categorise their films by a bunch of crazy keywords. What I've done, or what Sean Sanarud has done, uh, Rude Cold <laughs> on Twitter. You say Sean Patrick. Uh, <laughs> you say Sean Harris from Mission Impossible. Is taken five films, ten keywords apiece, and you guys have to guess what the films are and what the link is. Now, I've chosen this because of the link, but I have to say, Sean, you have written this in a mad way. <laughs> and... Put in a Google Doc that was view only. Please make the permissions that anybody with a link can access it. Because it pain in the ass. Uh, but yeah, thanks, th- thanks for sending it in. It says, hope you guys enjoy it. This is my keyword countdown. And I'll tell you the link afterwards because I almost read it. <laughs> Here we go. Film number one. Mm-hmm. Terrorism. Mission Impossible. Die Hard. Neck breaking. Goldeneye. American History X. Car motorcycle chase. Mission Impossible 2. None of these are Mission Impossible films. <laughs> Woman dancing seductively. Mm-hmm. This could be anything at this point. Death proof. Kidnapping. Again, these for those types of films, so generic keywords. Yeah. Like. Tattoo on chest. Ooh. Ooh. That episode of Alan Partridge. Memento. Avalanche. Avalanche. Cliffhanger. 
point blank. Die what, another day. No, that's one word title. This is solid, actually. Biochemical weapon. <clears throat> Final clue. Rock. NSA agent. Except for one. Not gonna be anything. Terrorism. Neck breaking. Car motorcycle oh, chase. Woman terrible. dancing seductively. Kidnapping. Tattoo on chest. Avalanche. One word title. Biochemical weapon. NSA agent. Inception. No. Mm. What do you? Would you? A clue. Be. It's a one word title. It's just one letter. What? <laughs> Repeated three times. X, oh, X, triple X. X. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's triple X. Have you seen it? Is that a word? Yeah. Three letters. Uh, that's not I am to be a counter, so it's fine. <laughs> Here we go. Film number two. <laughs> Death of wife. Uh, Finding Nemo. George. Yes! Oh, fuck <laughs> off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had a first guest for ages. Uh, fish wife. Yeah. Still a wife. Fish can still get married. Why are you looking like that? You're saying they I'm can't devastated. get married. No, I'm devastated. It's like, it's, like, it's not a real marriage. Who else don't you want to get married? Yeah, we've got Aaron Navafrit. This is all projected, isn't it? Emotional. Escape. Harbour. Just describing me now. Swallowed, <laughs> swallowed whole. Yep. <laughs> Protective father. Dental chair. Short-term memory loss. Character name and title. Clownfish. Cardi. Yeah, well Cardi. <laughs> Played by late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Here we go. Film number three. Swallowed whole. The biopic. <laughs> Film number three. Mini skirt. Imagine, Mid, if you, wait. imagine if you got it. Austin yeah. Powers. <laughs> if you got that there, would have Blood on hand. Hmm. Nightclub. Saturday night fever. Outside. Boogie nights. Car falling into water. Uh, Reference to David Hasselhoff. Oh. Forged passport. Oh. Uh, nah, that's not it. Graphic it's violence. Based on comic book. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Kick ass. Kick ass 2. Lesbian what? kiss. Ooh. Sin City. Wanted. Final clue. Spy. Oh, uh, Kingsman. Mm. I don't think either of you have seen this. Spy comic. Mini skirt, blood on hand, nightclub, car falling into water, reference to David Hasselhoff, forged passport, oh, is it graphic it? violence, based on comic book, Dick Tracy. lesbian kiss, what is this? spy. It's Atomic Blonde. <clears throat> I did not know that was based on a comic. Yeah. There you go. Uh, that's, that's obviously what threw me off. Three films gone. Ten points to Cooper with one gas. Fourth film. Slow motion scene. Matrix. X-Men. Female protagonist. Aliens, Alien, Alien 3. Alien Resurrection. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, can you uh, Blood. Uh, Nikita. 
skin torn off. Oh, bloody fifth this, element. The cell. Death of expectant mother. Gothica. I've never seen that. Not even. <laughs> <laughs> Ultraviolet light. Oh. Oh, Red Dragon? No, no, what's that? German film. It's probably not that now. Urban it? Gothic. Oh. Predator 2? Tomb. Tomb Raider. <laughs> Vampire. Oh, oh, Underworld. Yeah. Well done. Oh. Never seen any of those. Two points, neither have I. Two points of Cardi there. Oh. Uh, the final clue was Werewolf. <clears throat> Here we go. Cardi, you can still get this. Yeah, in theory. <laughs> Think Rainsford. Film number five. Tragic past. Politics. Eyes of March. Politics is quite misleading there. Oh. Mm. Tunnel chase scene. Um, kill list. Framed for murder. Fugitive. <laughs> Witness. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not Harrison Ford. Ford. <laughs> yeah. Bomb in. Bomb in. Mimic. Teamwork. Ocean's Eleven. Quite a few of these do fit the first Mission Impossible film. Yeah. <laughs> Epic battle. Based on comic book. Watchmen. It's insane. League of Extraordinary German. Miniaturization. It's Ant Man. Gotta say it. It's not Ant Man. <laughs> Final clue superhero. Tragic past. Again, Politics. Batman begins. Tunnel chase scene. Framed <laughs> for murder. Rises. Bomb in. Teamwork. Epic battle. Based on comic book. Miniaturization. Miniaturization. Superhero. You're going to kick what? yourselves. Captain America Civil War. Because oh, f- he's in that, isn't he? Oh, he's bloody f- in that, isn't he, lads? Because the other one, for some reason, it was like, it can't be like one of the big ones. Yeah. I, I assume Metroidism like- was a big part of it because it's not set at all. Oh, well. There you go. You can't win them all, can you? So that's 10 2, uh, one guess each. Uh, but last, that shows what Keyword Carrier is all about. Do you guys <laughs> know what the link is? What, what was the again? first film? <laughs> Triple X. Finding Nemo. Atomic Blonde. Underworld, Captain America: Civil War. Uh, I'd be very surprised if anyone gets this. They all have scenes in airports. <laughs> all have two directors. No, I guess so. Directed by Mission Impossible directors. No, oh. but uh, they all have talking tells. I don't know. <laughs> they were all set, or at least part set, in places that are very significant to Mission Impossible. So Triple X, uh, Prague, which is massive in Mission Impossible. Uh, Finding Nemo, Sydney, which is massive in Mission Impossible 2. Atomic Blonde, Berlin, uh, which is massive in Mission Impossible 3. Underworld, set in Budapest. 
big scene ghost protocol I told you wouldn't get it it's fine Captain America Civil War Vienna uh, and Berlin rogue, which is Rogue Nation um, but yeah Bloody hell. Solid, isn't it? <laughs> Sean Sanru, thank you very much for sending that in. Everybody else, if you want to send me one, I'm at Cameron Gav on Twitter. You can DM them to me, put them in a Google Doc, make sure the permissions mean that I can edit it and send it over to me. That's it. That's our Mission Impossible special. We thank you very it. much. Bloody got through it. Yeah. Like it was an impossible mission in some parts, but yeah. who's to say? We're not as good as Simon Pegg and Vig Rames. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. Shut up. (laughs) You've got to edit it in now so it looks like it's it's blowing. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.